Welcome to the Brantford Public Library's Juicebox Book Talks, the podcast where we talk about the magical world of Kidlet from the closed stacks of the library. I'm Leanna. And I'm Laura. We are two Library 11 programmers in the Child and Youth Department with a passion for children's literature. In each episode, we discuss a book we've read together as a buddy read, and then we choose a variety of titles for different ages based upon a specific theme. We will explore books, spoiler free, available at the library in print and digital format, which include audiobooks, picture books, junior fiction, nonfiction, and graphic novels. So find your favorite book nook, get comfy, and let's get started. Laura. Leanna. Hi. Hi. Where, where, I have a question right off the top. Yeah. Where do graphic novels fit into your life? So here's what I love about graphic novels. I think that they're a super accessible format, um, especially like for me, because I love visually, like I love to look at a picture book. I love to look at all those illustrations. And that's one thing I love about graphic novels is that you can express and convey so much through those illustrations as you would if you picked up a, a novel or a chapter book. And not that I'm discrediting chapter books or novels by any means, because I love to read a book, but I love that you can, it's a good visual escape and a good visual interpretation of what a story is. And that's why I like graphic novels. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I was having a conversation recently with a friend who is a big comic book reader and they told, I was telling them about what we were going to discuss today and they were telling me about Comics Illustrated, which was like the original comic books back in the 1940s and 1950s. And I didn't quite understand or believe that actual comic books had those classic ties because I'm sort of old school with my reading. Mm. So graphic novels was never a huge part of my life, but studying English literature, I was always into fiction, the big novels, the classics. But I'm totally aware of the fact that a lot of kids, especially a lot of kids we see today at the library, Mm. don't want to read or they're not drawn to those classics that I studied. So today we're going to talk about how graphic novels and like the popularity of graphic novels are incorporating ways to get kids sort of better acquainted with those classics that I studied back in the day right. that you may have read, that we may have read to our kids. Because yep. um, like you said, it is a much more accessible way to, you know, just gain more knowledge of literature and the history of literature. Yeah. Um, and not just the classics either. I mean, I think that we're going to talk about this month as well is graphic novel interpretations of popular novels of popular series so this is what like i think it's a really good a good topic to discuss discuss this month absolutely but i feel like classics like we're not just talking about withering heights like we're talking about classics in their own rights right so a lot of novels that were so popular that have which we're going to get into in Mm. a moment but you know might not be considered quote classics but were classics in their own right because they were so popular they had so much appeal yes you know the bailey school kids magic treehouse and babysitter's club of course a lot of those are getting like a re those reimaginings are coming reinventions are coming out yeah and they're nostalgic for us if you're an 80s kid if you're a 90s kid Mm -hmm. you're drawn to it because you're like oh my gosh there's this graphic novel. Yeah. I remember these books when I was a kid. Um, so I think one of 
the books that I think Laura remembers as a kid, um, which I would bet is one of your favorite books of all time, is Anna Green Gables. It's true. Is this correct? Yes. Which we talked about, I think, probably maybe one of our Canadian episodes. I think so. Yeah. Way way back when, maybe two seasons ago. Yes. So one of the books we want, one of the first ones I think we thought of was the sort of the graphic remix, I think is what the series is called, um, called Anne of West Philly by... By Ivy Noel Weir and illustrated by Maisha Haynes. Okay, so we're not going to get into many details about the actual novel because if you want to look up Anna Green Gables, you can go and read a summary on Goodreads. But what we want to do today is talk about how these adaptations, you know, not only highlight the original text, but how it appeals to an even wider audience. Uh, For sure. For sure. And I mean, this one definitely puts a more modern spin on the classic story. Um, But that being said, uh, I like how they did stick to a lot of like the sort of plot lines and different um, stories and things that happen, like events that happen in the original novel. I'm happy that they kind of incorporated them into a more modern take, which I really, I really liked about the book. So mm-hmm. yeah, being and a I big Anne fan that I am. So, mm-hmm. and I think a huge component to the modernization is the diversity that these adaptations yes. are bringing to the Definitely. table. Because again, as an English lit major, I studied a lot of white authors, my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, and we're, I don't need to tell you, but we're, like, delving into, like, not just this, you know, canon of white male authors. We're getting right. into a lot more diversity, and yeah. these adaptations are bringing that. And I think in Anne of West Philly, obviously, it's, <laughs> there's a it, there's a different spin. She's not just, you know, getting adopted by two white siblings right. on a farm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I love that it's like, you know, a couple, they're, uh, they're, they're black, it's a black family, it's a fostering sort of family. So that's sort of like the interp- the modern interpretation of the adoption at the time, um, the whole foster system. I just, I really like that. And um, I love how like they're embracing of this character with all her things that she's experienced in life too. I love how they kind of delve into that, making it not quite like Anne had, but different Anne, sorry, original Anne. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just think that they, the author really did a great job kind of pulling those parallels, but then also giving them a modern take as well. So yeah. Right. The general theme mm-hmm. is still there. Like yeah. it's, it's coming of age. Yeah. She's, she's learning about who she is, yes. where she belongs the importance of apology was yes. like a big theme that I noted when I was yeah. reading it. Acceptance, like her being accepted into this, you know, family environment that she's never really had before. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And in addition to the diversity, they yeah. add a lot of um, what we would talk about in the library is like our makerspace yep. department. Yeah. She joins like a robotics club. So yep. she's getting into like an engineering science kind of and you know she's a girl which is obviously not shocking to us but considering you know compared to the original this is a totally new world and new new school system and just new social dynamic than Mm -hmm. the original and I love like I love Maisha's illustrations I thought they were so vibrant I love that the red hair stuck for Anne um I said to Leanna I really like how they have um 
the scene where Diana like gets into the cordial and like they <laughs> actually like she visually shows her like vomiting. Yes. So I love that. I thought that was it just cracked me up. So you know good. what? As someone who grew up with the miniseries, right. like that it that was something that deserved to be highlighted <laughs> because that was Besides Matthew dying, of course, yes, which was you know horrifying as a child, um, yeah, so sad. Um, but Diana and her getting um, yeah. a little intoxicated was like that's what I remember. That was the one one yes. other thing I did remember. So it was super For cool sure. that they were they highlighted that. Yeah, um, I loved the fall theme. Now we're gonna we're getting into more winter winter now, but it really has. If you're looking for like a September October read, this mm. is. The illustrations again are so vibrant, like you said, yeah. in an autumn setting. Like yeah. you just feel the leaves on your on your yeah. little shoes. And I said, I said, I said in my notes, I said it has a really sunny. The illustrations have a sunny feel to them, so I like that. And like, and I love the font that they chose as well throughout the book. It was just great. So, yeah. You're big on fonts. I love fonts. Why do you think fonts important? I just think it makes a statement in a graphic novel, especially. I find if it's yes. I'm not, I'm less concerned with the font and I'm more concerned with size. Because well, I find all of that plays tiny. into it though. I, I'm big font. I love a good font. It's got the font, it's got to be the right font for your document. Like it has absolutely. to be. Yes, absolutely. So yes, this is another one by Ivy Noel Weir. Mm -hmm. It's Anne of West Philly. It's part of the modern graphics retellings. Yep. Um, we talked about the secret garden on 81st street, which yep. is another one in the series. We do recommend both. Absolutely. So check those out. Yeah. The first book I'm going to talk about is a part of the classic graphic remix, the same as Anna West Philly, mm -hmm. and that's Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy, which you may have guessed is part of the Little Women series by... Ray Tercerio and Brie Indigo. And this, of course, is adapted from Louisa May Alcott's classic book. Right. Now, I was really excited to read this. It was actually in my house for the last couple of years because my daughter loves it and has read it. And mm -hmm. her friends, I remember talking to her friends about it and they loved it. And I just, for whatever reason, I didn't pick it up until now. Yeah. And I thought it was wonderful. And I was never a huge Little Women fan, but I did go see... Oh. I I know the movies. I remember yeah, yeah. the movies no, from the 90s. Sure. Um, but the actual text, like, I think I did read it in university, but it was never anything that resonated to me specifically. Right. I don't think I thought it was bad. It just was never a favorite mm. of mine. And looking at it, it's, a, it's quite a lengthy book. Mm -hmm. So... I, you know, it, it takes a very, probably, I would argue, a small group of kids, like, middle grade, that would read it because it's so big and it's a little, like, intimidating when you look at it at first. Yep. I'm not saying kids won't read it. No, But I'm just sure. saying the general grade six, seven, eight students might veer away from it because of its length. So, but the... Um, graphic novel is perfect like right. it was absolutely like it, I would give this to any middle grader well and I think the timing of this you reading this was really perfect because this uh, this past fall you saw it in Stratford as well so yes and the Stratford production was beautiful um probably one of the best productions I've seen I say that about every show I, I see in Stratford yeah, because they're too. all because they're, they're all so, so wonderful yeah. and I loved 
the blurb that Strafford put, um, I'm just going to read it really quickie, quickly here because I think it ties with the graphic novel so perfectly. So aspiring writer Jo March and her sisters, Meg, Beth, and Amy, do their best to make ends meet as they navigate the road to adulthood. Struggling to reconcile societal expectations with their own hopes and dreams, the girls are held together by bonds of loyalty and love. They may differ in their ideas of what it means to be a woman, but each of their journeys poses the same universal question. How do you find your own path? The production was perfect. This adaptation is perfect. I loved the fact that it's culture culturally diverse, mm -hmm. like the last book we talked about. It's realistic fiction. It's colorful. It really grabs your attention from page one. Um, I liked how the marches are reimagined as a blended, not just an in, mm. like a, not just a yeah. um, like a black family. They're a blended interracial racial family living in modern day Brooklyn. Like I think it's something that is so accessible and meaningful to our readers now, like yeah. any kid that comes in. Um, I just loved it. This is if Anne of West Philly was like a perfect autumn read, Little Women is the classic Christmas read. Yeah. So getting into November, December and the holidays, this is definitely one to pick up. Um, I think I think this is just a powerful um, book about just women and girls. Yeah, for sure. And growing up and family. Um, it was, it's a wonderful adaptation. That's Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy by Ray Tresirio and Brie Indigo. Okay, so I am here with one of my picks this month, which is the graphic novel interpretation of Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief, the first in the series. This is, of course, by Rick Riordan. It's adapted this time by Robert Venditti, art by Attila Futaki, and color by Jose Villarubia. I hope I said that right. So this book came out in 2010, the graphic novel interpretation, and I have to completely confess, full disclosure, I have never read a Percy Jackson book. Okay. I know. I know. I, well, I think the whole, whole city has, though. <laughs> I think you <laughs> Considering all, yeah. the requests that we get for no, the series. For sure. And the number of times you have to reorder the series. But I'm not, and not to say that I don't want to read the book, because I really, truly do. I just have so many other books that I want to read. So this wasn't always on the top of my list, necessarily. But that being said, for me, grabbing this graphic novel interpretation was like the ex like a perfect perfect transition to say, hey, okay, am I going to like this? Do I want to pick up that book? Because I did have the audiobook ready to go this summer, but other things happened and it just it disappeared. So, but anyway, having said that, now that I've read the graphic novel interpretation, I completely understand the mass appeal to readers of all ages, not just like to our younger readers, to anybody. Um, the graphic novel especially, I will say, it's a very dark and moody interpretation um, visually. The illustrations are sometimes creepy, but to me, they perfectly fit the story. Um, that being said, maybe a different illustrator or someone would pick it up and illustrate in a different way, but I, I thought this was really great. Um, if you're into the old school, new school, Marvel, DC comics, um, this is totally for you. It's a very similar, I think, uh, art style and the art and I said like the font I'm going back to the font like to me the font and the typeface they use throughout it is very reminiscent of like a classic comic book so for like your superheroes and stuff so yeah I love that the format is really accessible to readers because I mean like let's not let's face it like the lightning thief isn't a small book like it really isn't um 
and you, like you need the time to devote to it and not that you don't for this either really if you're taking it all in but i love that like it parallels with percy who has like it's just it's a great interpretation um what i also love about the like, the story itself but, i mean if you've never read percy jackson um like percy jackson had a learning disability his adhd i love how they play that into the graphic novel um for the illustrations i just thought like I just thought it was beautiful that there's one scene in the book uh, where Percy receives a pearl in the river. I just thought it was just visually stunning to look at. So yeah, like uh, this is a great introduction to the lightning thief. If you want to give it a try before picking up the novel, especially because it only gives you a little bit of it. It doesn't tell you the whole book. That's the mm -hmm. thing. It's just kind of like a snippet in someone's visual interpretation of the book. So now I'm definitely going to pick up the Lightning Thief. It was great. Percy Jackson Olympians, The Lightning Thief. First in the series. It was awesome. You brought up a good point about it being just a snippet of right. the original text. So you couldn't really read the first in the graphic novel series and then go on to number two in the novel. Or well, would I'm you sure have to you continue? Could. You could follow the plot along? Probably. I would think they, they probably pull the highlights. I mean, because like I said, I have not read the, the Lightning Thief, but I would imagine they've pulled all the what they think are the highlights and then mm. you could go from there. So, Perfect. Yeah. But again, this again but this book too like just like the um the, the novels we have the graphic novel goes out all the time so mm -hmm. you can see the condition of the book like how well loved it is so yes yeah. and it's very much um it works well with um philip pullman i always yes. feel like that one and like the golden compass which yep. also has yep. a graphic novel adaptation yep. um is a good uh read alike to that yep. series for sure so it was great yeah great good job laura thanks Okay, I feel like I'm kind of cheating with my next book. No, not at all. <laughs> so I'm going from, um, instead of middle grade, I'm going to um, a picture book adaptation. I love it. And when I was talking um, with someone about this, they said, well, isn't a picture book already, doesn't it already have graphics? <laughs> so how are you going from a graphic novel adaptation of a picture book? And I'm going to answer that question right yes, now. Yes, for sure. So picture books, <laughs> it's the audience. So typically it's parents and guardians reading picture books to their little ones, to their babies. Mm -hmm. And the graphic adaptation, graphic novel adaptation, just opens up to actual readers, our emergent readers, yes. and our junior fiction readers. Yes. So it's a totally different market, even though both you know, do include graphics. Right. So, what book am I bringing to the da, table? Da, da, da. One of my favorite picture books of all time, Scaredy Squirrel by Canadian author Melanie Watt. Now, this was a one of my favorite picture book series before I even had my daughter. Like, right. it was just one of the ones that just spoke to me. I, like, I own the whole series, like, in hardback. I went to a library conference once, and Melanie Watt actually signed Scaredy Squirrel Makes a Friend, which, if you're following the series, it's number two in the series. Um, and she did these adorable illustrations. It's a really wonderful Canadian series that I highly recommend. So, obviously, when the graphic novel adaptation was coming on, um, was coming into the library, I got really excited, and yeah. I had to check it out. So, again, this is about... Uh, it's about... A, like a, a, a squirrel that has he's a bit of a germaphobe he there a bit of a germaphobe yeah. um it's a it it's perfect for post-covid kind yeah. of stuff because i mean a lot of kids who didn't really go out um especially the little ones who didn't you know have social events or activities to really participate in the world is intimidating and yeah. i'll tell you the world is intimidating for the squirrel who lives in his tree yeah. So, 
he is adorable. The illustrations for the graphic novel, everything was like perfectly sort of carried over. Into it's a great the, transition. It I is. It's it. a per, it's a perfect transition. Yeah. Um, there's really not much like it captures the the essence of the mm. picture book. Um, I it's just you know the, it, it's scary. He's trying to just live each day without you know you know getting like into contact with killer bees and scary right. scary leaves and monsters and he's, he's terrified of everything yes. and i think this is a great series for kids to like you know gain their confidence and um work through anxieties i mean mental health is like a huge um topic these days mm-hmm. and we're talking a lot about anxiety and depression and scaredy like they they really help um children you know like in the book obviously it's like it's a kid's book and he's taking it like they're taking it very lightly so it's like killer bees and green martians and germs and sharks and you know everyday kids aren't afraid of like right. walking out the door and a shark attacking them yeah um but again this is just a great sort of like a guidebook, like a how to Mm -hmm. overcome your fears. And again, I think the best part of the graphic novel adaptation is the fact that it's accessible and it speaks to a whole different audience than the picture book series did. So I would highly recommend it, not just because it's my favorite picture book series of all times by one of my favorite Canadian authors, but that is um, Scaredy Squirrel. And there are two so far in the graphic novel series. Um, The first one is Scaredy Squirrel in a Nutshell. Just absolutely the most adorable series. I'm looking at the cover right now with his nervous little grin and his extremely extremely clean paws because he's, he's afraid of... Germs. He's really afraid of germs. Nice white teeth. And his beautiful white teeth. One of my favorite um, scaredy squirrel, or my favorite squirrels of all time. And this this is the new graphic novel series, The Scaredy's Nutty Adventures by Melanie Watt. Perfect. All right. My last book this month, as I shuffle my paper around, is The Babysitter's Club, Christie's Great Idea, originally written by Ann M. Martin and adapted, of course, by... Raina Telgemeier. So listen, uh, I am a child of the 80s. I grew up in the 80s. I was born in the 70s, grew up in the 80s. Like, that was my childhood. And, of course, Leanne and I will both attest. Like, we love the Babysitter's Club. We really, like, I I loved them. I couldn't wait to get my hands on the newest one when they came out. Like, they were amazing. And a few years ago, actually, Leanna bought me as a Christmas gift. She got me, like, the original covers. Um, I think it was the first six in the series. She bought them mm-hmm. for me. So, so listen. I love that in 2006, Raina said, you know what? I'm going to bring back this series. I'm going to bring it back in a graphic novel format because this is a great series. And yeah, maybe it's a little dated in terms of the fact that it's in the 80s. But when you put it in a graphic novel format, uh, it's it's fantastic. And definitely, like we said, more accessible to kids, more appealing to kids of this time um but i mean take a look at what's happened i mean and how many of the books in the series are now being adapted into graphic novels like bravo to reina because it's fantastic like it first came on the scene in 2006 and has been republished since then um reina did the first four books of the of the series and others have gone on to continue the series with their graphic novel interpretations it is fantastic so like i said i love i just think this is a fantastic series and i think um I mean, it's so appealing to kids of all, it's still, like, to this day, because, I mean, 
Anne and Martin just wrote a great series and mm-hmm. it like had such um, appealing and relatable topics and issues and all that in every book that I mean you just those don't change right like someone having diabetes or having to take children um, divorces all that sort of thing like things that kids are dealing with every day so I if I can <clears throat> add something yeah. you mentioned the diabetes I read right. an article about how when they're adapting these these books right they're changing certain details so right. is it Claudia Yes. Claudia has diabetes, but... Was it Claudia that had diabetes? I forget. No, 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 no it's not Claudia. Claudia is the, the artist. It's the... Stacy. Oh, it's Stacy. Stacy has diabetes. Stacey. Um, they change, they, they have to tweak, like, the medical, mm. like, intervention. Right. And the medicine. Like, yeah. So they change that up, that up as well. So I, I love that that's the thing. Like, it's evolving in that sense mm-hmm. in the interpretation, which I think is fantastic. So, and I love, too, what also is happening because of this... So not only are they doing a graphic novel interpretation, but that being said, now they're also republishing the original series with new covers, but putting them out the way they are. And that's the thing. Again, those are flying off our shelves right now constantly. There's the Babysitter's Club, the original like chapter books, and there's the Little Sister one. And it's funny because just this past, this month in November, um, a brand new graphic novel hit the scene, and it's the Sweet Valley Twins Um graphic novel interpretation which again like growing up in the 80s and 90s I loved these books so uh, they haven't republished the original text yet yet because I really truly feel that once they have these graphic novels are in the kids hands they're going to want those again so you're going to see those come those come back too so I really love that it's also like bringing back the original text as well so that's what I really love about that isn't club that is right now we should mention <clears throat> that Raina is the author of Smile. Yes. So just in case yes. our listeners aren't aware, she's very, very popular in the graphic Absolutely. novel world because of Smile was sort yeah. of her, her hit. And I like you, Laura, that you mentioned the adaptations um, are bringing like a longer shelf life to the originals yes. in the re the republishing yeah and how all of a sudden it's like oh sweet valley high and sweet valley twins like the original novels if you go on amazon if you go online are being sold for redi- it's like oh, oh it's insane why did i get rid of those i know because <laughs> they're so expensive they're being sold for so much now yeah um so there's like a definite resurgence of these yep. series and it's nice to share with the newer generation yeah but totally I think we're just dating ourselves now uh or just live it reliving our youth it's great how, how's the font in, love the in font. The novels. It's bright. I love the font. It's a little bit bubbly, you know, like it's just friendly looking and I love it. So, yeah. Awesome. I can't yeah. wait to read The Sweet Valley Twins. I know. I'm super excited. When I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh. Anyway. That, that was one yeah. of my favorite series totally. too. And Babysitter's totally. Club. So I guess to end, like, we just want to highlight the fact that graphic, like, graphic novels are like super popular in the library and yeah. our kids, kids want to read them. Yes. They're engaging. They're more accessible than novels. Absolutely. So please don't... Don't qu- discourage it. Don't discourage it ever. Um, and if you are... like, I feel like a lot of parents and guardians, they'll feel nostalgic for the this sort of reemergence of some of these... Yeah. What I consider classics. Right. Again, like those... I think Sweet Valley I guess Twins, it is classic, though. I know. It's vintage. Like, yeah, it's total vintage. Yeah. Okay. Um... So in their beloved characters yeah. that you want to see in like different texts. So just yeah. definitely 
check them out and don't think that they're not reading or they're not readers. Yeah. A when good story is a good story no matter what format it's in, I think, right? So, yeah. yeah. So we hope we've, we've brought some diverse and interesting and yeah. fun titles that you think you'd like to read for your kids, for your students, with your families, or, like some or for really yourself. Or for yourself. Right. Definitely check out some of these graphic novel adaptations. Thanks so much for listening. We hope we've introduced you to some new authors and children's titles. All of the books discussed in this episode are available in print and digital format on either Libby or Hoopla. Please visit brantfordlibrary.ca for more information about this podcast and other great programs. Juicebox Book Talks is edited by us with music courtesy of purple-planet.com.